Turn in your Bibles today, if you would, uh, to, I'm going to go to two different places, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 10, and we've been talking out of Ephesians 2, verse 10, and we have it up on the screen here in the New Living Translation, and in the New Living Translation, if you can see past my masterpiece, don't be distracted by it, okay? I know it's hard, to, okay. But up here, it says this, for we are, say I am. For we are God's masterpiece. And on week one, we begin to break that down. And, and we begin to talk about how we can begin to paint a better picture with our life. Uh, what I'm really saying there is how, how can we begin to live a better life? How can we begin to paint a better picture? When people look, they'll see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And one of the ways we begin to do that is we've got to understand, first of all, that we're God's. And secondly, that we're a masterpiece. Because, see, I believe there's a lot of uh, Christians out there that believe they belong to God, uh, but when they look at their life, they don't necessarily think their life is a masterpiece. There's some lost dreams, some lost hope, maybe some sin, some emotional scars and, and those things. And so when you look at your life, you don't think it's a masterpiece. But when God looks at you, come on, he doesn't see things the way you see them. Come on, he sees things the way he created them to be. And just like any masterpiece, we talked about that every masterpiece starts with uh, one brush stroke. And that first stroke doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I remember when I would watch my dad, and I talked about this last week, my dad is a re- was a really good artist. I mean, he could take wood and create things. He could take, uh, you know, canvases and paint and create things. He could just do really good stuff with, with artwork. And I remember there were some times that I would come in and he was working on something and, and I, would, I would see him begin to draw or paint something. I'd be standing there trying to figure out what it was. How many guys ever watched a painter before and you're looking at it like, I have no idea where they're going with that thing, right? And I would watch him and, and I would look and finally I'd be like, I can't figure it out and I would go, leave. But then I'll come back later and now everything was coming into, into play and everything was starting to make sense. I'd be like, oh, I knew that's what you were doing, Right? You know, our life with God is a lot like that. We can't see the, the, the end product. And so when something happens in our life, when another brushstroke comes upon uh, the, 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 the canvas of our life, and we look at it and we say, wait, I don't, know, I don't know where God's going with that. I don't quite get it. That's why we've got to be patient. And we've got to sit there and let God work what he wants to work because eventually the picture is going to make sense. Are you with me this morning? So we've got to understand that we're gods, and we need to, need to have this, even though we don't quite see it yet, we need to understand that we're a masterpiece, because if we're gods, he's the master painter, and come on, everything that comes from God is good, amen? amen. And so then last week, we talked about this part, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Really, just the first portion of that is what we talked about. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, which would raise the question, why do we have to be created anew, Right? And so we talked last week about some emotional scars, and we talked about about some sin that happens in our life, and because of that sin that happens in our life, the beautiful picture begins to get messed up. Or because of emotional scars, things that happen from the outside, things that were outside of our control. Now how many of you are here this morning, and something has happened in your life that has been outside of your control, but it left some pain in your life? Okay, all right. So we've been there before, and because of that, it begins to ruin the painting. We've, we, we've been created anew in Christ Jesus because there was something new to create. And, and here's what I want to talk about today. How can we begin to live, or how can our life begin to paint a better picture? And I want to talk about this, this part here that we're created anew in Christ Jesus. Last week we talked about why, sin, emotional scars. Today I want to talk to you about being created anew in Christ Jesus. 
And I believe as we begin to grasp hold of that, and we begin to understand it, that the picture is going to begin to make more sense. Now, you can clearly tell that I'm not an artist by looking at my artwork, correct? No? Oh, thanks. All the staff and school of ministry students like, no, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. They, they want to get A's in their classes. I. Yeah, my artwork is very abstract. Now, I told you that I'm really good at stick figures, abstract stick figures of that. And so we actually, when this painting started out, there was actually this river, and then the river kind of overflowed at its banks, as you can tell. It's kind of all over the place. And there were some beautiful trees. How many of you guys remember the beautiful trees we saw, right? And, and the beautiful trees, and, and it was just, and then I think we had like some birds up here that took me a little while to figure out how to paint those. And then we had like a, a stick sheep and a stick dog and a stick cow. It's pretty awesome. And, uh, but then all of a sudden sin happens and, and emotional scars take place and, and our picture began to get distorted. And so now here we are and, and it's ruined. The masterpiece doesn't look the same. Uh, but I want to talk to you today about that God still has a plan for you. That God still has a plan for your life. That although we might look at our life and we might look at the picture and say, I... I don't know what it is, it doesn't look quite right, that Jesus Christ comes in and he begins to paint again in our life and he begins to make it brand new. It's a pretty cool thing actually. So that's what we're going to talk about in the next few moments here. You say, well how does that work? Well, Jesus is obviously the most significant part of the whole process. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith and that faith isn't even of your own. God put it inside of you. He's given everybody a measure of faith. Why did he give humanity a measure of faith? So that we could respond to his grace when his grace came through the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay? And so, yes, Jesus plays the most significant part in our life in creating us anew. It's all about him, always has been about him, always will be about him. Right? That's why the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay? It's, a, it's about Jesus. It always will be about Jesus. He is the one that comes in and create things brand new. Colossians 2.14. Colossians 2.14 says this, that, that, that through the cross of Jesus, that he came and he took all of the handwriting, all of the writing that was against us, you know, that legal document that says you're a sinner, and he took that document and he nailed it to the cross. How many of you guys are thankful for that? So Jesus did that through the cross. He did that through, through his life. Romans 8, 28, I love this one. Many of you might know this one. Romans 8, 28 says this, For we know that God works all things together for good to those that love him and are the called according to his purpose. Now, I love that scripture because when I look at my life and it looks like this, I can sit back and say, wait a second. I, I've, I've taken the paint into my own hands. I've taken the brush into my own hands, and I realized that that was a bad move. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to surrender them back to Jesus, and when I do that, come on, he works all things together for good to those that love him and are called according to the purpose. Now, I love that verse because it says all things. How many of you guys are thankful for that part? How many of you guys glad it doesn't just say that God takes things and works them together for good or that God takes the good things in our life? And works them together. How many guys thankful that he says he takes all things and works them together for good? Now that, 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 that excites me. Because that means he takes the good things, the bad things, and the ugly things. And how many know that sometimes it seems like there's a lot more ugly, right? And he takes those things and he brings them together and he continues to create 
a masterpiece. It's awesome. And so there's God's part through, through Jesus and through his death, burial, and resurrection. Through what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we have the ability to become brand new. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. But what we must understand, ladies and gentlemen, is there has to be a response on our part. Jesus Christ did all that he would do on the cross. It is an open invitation for you to bring your jacked up life. Well... And say, you know what? I, I tried it. The river ran through it for a little while. <laughs> but it didn't turn out too well. And so because of Jesus, your invitation, I'm just going to, okay, give it back to you. Give it back to you. And so there has to be a response on our part. And, and the cool thing is, is what, what Jesus does then is he takes the, he takes the brushes and he begins, remember these trees right there? They were, they were pretty cool trees. Don't lie. Come on. And he begins, to, he, begins to, he begins to paint again. Right? Where's the ooing and the eyeing? I paint so much better when there's oohs and ahs. Right? And trust me, for those of you that are wondering, yes, this will probably be the last time I ever paint in church again. Thanks for believing in me, people. And yeah, yeah emotional scars. I'm dealing with them. It's all right. And Jesus, he takes, he takes the brush in his hand, and he begins to say, you know, I can fix that. I can maybe make that look like a tree again, and, you know, and he begins to, I love this, he begins to take the, remember this down here represented emotional scars, you remember that? And he begins to take what he does, and he begins to say, you know what, man, my, my blood cleanses you white as snow, right? I heard an awe, and that was a sincere awe out there. Thank you, whoever that was, I appreciate that. And so he begins to paint, and he begins to say, I'll take away, you know, some of those, some of those emotional scars, and, and I'll, begin to, I'll begin to take care of that for you. And then, uh, then he comes over here and says, you know, I don't like that. That looks like a nasty green. Kind of nasty, right? Oh, oh, thank you, Titus. You'll get an A this week. Okay. I should have took some lessons before I, I started, right? The green needs to be covered up. Say goodbye to the green, right? And he begins to just say, you know what? I can do something with this life. I can, I, can, I, can, I can make this look, I think I can make this look like something. I think I can make this. And he becomes a focal point. Whoever that baby is, I like that baby. <laughs> and he becomes the focal point of our life. See, I told you I had a wow factor. I told you. See? I told you I had a wow factor. Thank you. See, now you want to buy it, don't you? Thank you. Those are stick crosses, in case you were wondering. And Jesus takes the painting that was all jacked up and says, I still have a plan for it. And he now becomes the centerpiece of the painting. Because see, there's something I realize that when we hold on to our stuff, when we hold on to our issues, when we hold on to our sin, when we hold on to our emotional scars, when we hold on to our, our, our lost dreams and our broken hope, when we try to hold on to that, all of a sudden that becomes the, the centerpiece of the painting. 
And the painting stays messed up and it stays painful. But when we begin to release it to him, he begins to take it. And come on, he begins to be the centerpiece of the masterpiece once again. And that's where Jesus belongs, right at the center of our life. Because it's in him we move, live, and have our being. He wants to be the centerpiece. But there's something that we have to do. We have to release the painting, the canvas, back to him. Let me just uh, read Mark 3, 1 through 6. Are you there? Mark 3, 1 through 6. We're going to go there real quickly. And we're going to wrap this whole thing up, this whole thought up today. And you don't want to miss next week as we talk about the last part of that verse, Ephesians 2.10. Several verses I was thinking about today in the context that we need to release our pain to him. We need to release our struggle to him. We need to release that to him. Several verses that came to mind, one of them was simply this, John 5.6. And if you were to go to John 5, 6, you would read the story about a man who was lame, and he was lame by the pools of Bethesda. Apparently in that day, this was where all the sick and uh, people would go that needed healing in their body. And uh, a certain time, an angel would come down from heaven, stir up the waters, the Bible says. And when the waters would stir, whoever stepped in first would be healed. How many of you guys have read that story before? Okay, Pretty cool story, right? Whoever got in first, but this man, he, he was lame, and he had no one to get him into the pool, and so he was never the first one in. And Jesus comes walking along, and this guy, the Bible says, like 40-something years, he has been lame. He's been there, waiting for the stirring of the waters, waiting for his opportunity, waiting to get healed, waiting for his picture to begin to look good once again. It's a long time. And Jesus comes walking along, the Bible says, and sees the hardest case and goes over to the man and says this, Sir, what can I do for you? Now, Jesus is God in the flesh. He knows what the man needs. Everybody there knows what the man needs. There's one reason why you would lay there for 40 years. But see, Jesus asks the question because he wants a response. When Jesus died on the cross, it was an open invitation, but he wants a response. Uh, another verse that came to my mind was simply this, Mark 10, 51. And if you were to go to Mark 10, you would see a story about a guy named Blind Bart. Emmaus. Okay. And you would see the story there, and here he is along the roadside, and he hears that Jesus is passing by. And so he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David. He finally gets the attention of Jesus. Jesus stops, has the blind man come, and Jesus asks the question, what would you like me to do for you? Very obvious that he's blind, and he's there for one reason, he wants to get healed. But Jesus' invitation solicits a response. And so it's all about divine sovereignty, what Jesus does, but there's this other part called human responsibility, and that we need to respond to him. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. Reading from the ESV, again, he entered the synagogue. Why does it say again? On this day, on this particular day, Jesus was always at the synagogue. So here he is again, another day, at the synagogue, but something special happens on this day. And a man was there with a withered hand. This word withered would, would show us, if you studied it out, that this was not something he was born with, but it was something that happened to him in the course of life. He was born with two normal hands, and he had two functioning hands, but in the course of life, somewhere along the way, he got scarred. Somewhere along the way, 
he got injured. And so now he has a withered hand, one good, one not good. And they watched Jesus, who's they, the religious people. How many guys do not like the religious people? Don't raise your hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, can I just say something? Don't put Jesus to a challenge. He'll win every time. He knows their thoughts. He perceives what's going on. He sees the way they're looking at him. He knows what's going on in their heart. And he looks at the withered man. Check out what he does. He looks at the man with the withered hand. He says, hey, yo, I want you to come here. And he came up in front of everybody. And, and he said to them, the religious people, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or kill life? But they were silent. You know, at that moment, they were like, oh, man, we blew it. And they were pointing the fingers at everybody. It was your, you know, you, you were the one. They were silent. Because how do you, how do you answer this question? But they were silent, verse 5. And he looked around at them, check this out, with anger. Not a good thing to tick Jesus off. Right? And we see in the Old Testament when God got angry, what happened? Not a pretty sight, okay? I, I do my best to stay on the good side of Jesus, okay? He's angry. He is literally angry. You know, the Bible says and talks about be angry and sin not. It talks about a righteous anger. At this moment, this was not an anger of, of hatred. This was not an anger that, that led to thoughts of I want to destroy you all. It was an anger of how can you, the system that is set up to help, treat this man the way you've treated him? And he's angry. Because they care more about their religious duties than they do about the mercy of another person. They care more about their programs. They care more about, about if everything's being done proper in church. Did the words come up on the screen correctly? Did the lights function properly? Were they on key as they were singing? Did they hit every chord perfectly? Okay. Do they have community groups there? Well, okay. what Bible translation do they read from? Because this pastor went all over the map today. He was reading from the NLT, now he's reading from the ESV. Okay. And we get so concerned with all of this stuff when all Jesus cares about is loving humanity. Bringing hope to the hopeless, binding up the brokenhearted, setting loose those that are captive and bound. That's what Jesus cares about. And here's the religious people. Oh, let's see what Jesus does today. He's probably going to break a law. He made the law. He looked at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart and said to the man catch this now the man is on display the man is up front 
the man's hand is withered, has been for some time now. He already feels humiliated. No one has reached out and tried to bring him hope. No one has reached out and tried to bring him healing. No one has stepped out of their program and their religious institution to say, hey, man, Jesus can, no no one's done that. And so here he is now on display in front of all of the people that want to treat him as an object lesson. He is probably embarrassed, he is probably ashamed, and he is probably humiliated. And Jesus says, stretch out your hand. Stretch out that which is diseased, dead, and withered. Stretch out probably to him which was the biggest struggle that he had. I want you to stretch that out right now in front of all of these people. That's what I want you to do. See, as you look around the room today, you might look around and say, I don't see any withered hands. There's no physical. Listen to me. This story goes beyond a withered hand. This story is not just about the, 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 the diseased hand that this man had. This story is about that every single person sitting here either is going through a struggle or will go through a struggle or has already been through a struggle. And if we can understand what Jesus is asking of this man today, we can understand that, wow, maybe we can overcome our struggle too. Maybe we can overcome our pain too. Maybe we can overcome our dead dream too. Why? As we stretch it out to him, he begins to make it brand new. Stretch out your struggle. Stretch out your pain. Stretch out your sin. Stretch out what nobody else even knows what's taking place inside. Stretch it out. Listen, 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 listen. He said no and ran to his mom. No, I'm sorry. sorry. What translation are you reading from now, Pastor? Listen. Listen to what it said. He stretched it out. Listen. And his hand was restored. His hand was made brand new. His hand was made just like God created it. But he had to do something. He had to take the invitation. And he had to stretch it out in front of everybody. And in that process, it became renewed. Check this out. The religious people went out and immediately did likewise for everybody else. No. The religious people, the Pharisees, went out and immediately held a council with with, with this other guy how they could kill Jesus. Religious people. Here is a guy that has had this issue for a while and apparently was a part of the celebration in the synagogue week in and week out. But every time he came, he did not receive that which he needed. See, uh, religious systems and religious people, they will allow you to walk in with pain and they will allow you to walk out with pain because it's all about the program and don't upset the system and, and don't upset what we got going on here. You can come in and be a part, but, but please don't upset the system. Religious people do things like, like, like the woman that's caught in adultery. Remember this story? 
The woman that's caught in adultery, and they grab her, and they drag her before Jesus. And they say, hey, Jesus, this woman, man, she was caught in adultery. And the law says that she should be stoned and put to death. And then Jesus goes and he starts painting pictures in the dirt. Read the story. Probably looked a lot like that one. A little less color maybe, but. Starts doing something in the dirt. Whatever he does in the dirt. He looks up and he says, hey, all of you that drug her here, all of you who are without sin, you go ahead and pick up the first stone and cast it at her. The Bible says they begin to walk away. I, I, I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, the first thing I'm asking Jesus is, hey, what was that in the dirt? <laughs> right? Because it scared the hell out of those people. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had me some dirt like that. Every Sunday I'd just be like, Shh. Hey, I need Jesus. Right? That's some cool dirt. <laughs> it's okay to have fun in church, right? See, the religious people are sitting there like, this is not proper. <laughs> When's he going to get deeper in the word and exegete the scriptures and... Right? Right? See, the religious people, they don't, they don't really care about, 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 about somebody getting tired. I mean, here's a story of Myra, and Myra shares how her body's healed. She must be up teaching junior high right now, right? Come on, somebody. And how her body got healed, and the religious people said, ah, I don't know about that. Okay. See, all, although, although Canvas has only been going for, well, two weeks, but although our church... We were, if this is your first time here, we just changed our name, and so. Our church has been going for a little over three and a half years. But, but beyond that, I've been doing this for a long time, and there's always the people that come and listen to me. I, I, get, I catch the heart of what people are saying, and I know they want to be taught the Word and go deep in the Word and all that stuff, and we have a place for that. It's called community groups. Okay, it's called men's Bible study every other Saturday. Okay, it's called school of ministry. We have a place for that. And they come and they say, hey, Pastor, you know, I don't know about, you know, praying for healings. And I don't know about, why is it that every message you preach on Sunday seems like it's going out to the hurting? And here we are again, Canvas, and, you know, he's going to create your life anew. And if you have emotional scars and sin, and woo! <laughs> why is it that all your messages go to the hurting? Well, number one, the reason they go out to the hurting is because a lot of people are hurting. But number two, when I read about my Jesus, guess who he ministered to? The Bible says he came to seek and save the lost. He came for the sick, not the well. Listen to me. When you, when, you read about, when you read about Jesus, what do you see? The Bible says and they brought to Jesus all their sick and all their lame and all their, their demonized people. They brought him to Jesus. You don't see that often when they, hey, they brought him all the intellectual people and said, Jesus, can you exegete your life to them? That did actually happen one time. A guy came by himself called the rich young ruler. Well, you can read about that, Matthew 19, I believe it is. The rich young ruler, guess what? The rich young ruler comes strolling up. He's got it all together. He said, Jesus, I've kept all the laws. 
Man, I, I, I am in charge. I stand at the door and I greet people. And man, when it's time to worship, my hands go up. And man, I'm taking notes. Man, I've got it going on. Can I follow you? Jesus says, you've done well, but there's one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give it away to the poor. (laughs) The next person that comes to me says, hey, pastor, when are you going to start preaching a message for the intellect? I say, look, you need to go sell everything you have. Look who Jesus came for. So yeah, every Sunday you come. I I believe you can learn something. I believe you can grow in your faith. But yes, every Sunday you come, you will hear a message that goes out to the hurting, to the lost, to those that need a Savior. Because that's why Jesus Christ came. But here is this man and he's in this system. And apparently he ain't heard that message. So Jesus... Brings him up. And yes, Jesus brought him up so that he could silence the question in their hearts, is it lawful? But it was so much more than that. He brought him up to teach you and I something today. Because here comes the pivotal moment in the whole story. The pivotal moment in the whole story wasn't when Jesus Christ brought him up. The whole, the whole pivotal moment in the story wasn't even when Jesus said, hey, stretch out your hand. The pivotal moment came when the man mustered up enough courage, enough strength, and enough boldness to take that which was diseased, to take that which was painful to him, and begin to stretch it out before Jesus. And in the middle of stretching it out, it made brand new, just as if it had never been withered. Because there is an invitation for us to bring our stuff to him. Let's see the painting... Stays jacked up. The invitation's going out. But it's not until we humble ourselves and we say, you know what? I've tried to do it on my own. It's not working. And I say, Jesus, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's my pride. Here's my anger. Here's my lust. Here's my immorality. Here's my sexual identity. Here's my sin. Here's my health. And when you begin to stretch it out to him, he begins to take what you've given him. And he begins to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask, think, or imagine. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is amazing.